Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been awaiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. Hello. I'm sorry. God. That, that was me messing with Matt because I've been Matt knows I eat all before and after the show. I said, I'll be ready as soon as you talk. So I decided to act like I had a mouthful of food. I didn't know what the hell that was. <laughs> that was, was like, Taylor God. being funny. I was like, you almost <laughs> sound like, like crime dog McGruff. <laughs> yeah. What up, dog? I, of course, am the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 271. Asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh my God, do we have a lot to get to. I cannot wait to have this wide receiver conversation with the Cowboys. Because you know what? We told you so. We told you so, dog. We told you so. We told you so. Time and time again in the offseason. I don't even know how much we spent talking about this. We talked about it when they had their introductory press conference to open camp last week, and it freaking happened in the first week of camp. The nightmare <laughs> scenario is upon ye. So we're going to dive into that, and that's going to be a lot of fun. A major trade in Major League Baseball, a new home for Joey Gallo, major NFL news with Deshaun Watson, the Miami Dolphins. I mean, there's so much we've got to discuss here, but we can't do any of that without our friends, the wonderful attorneys, the green team. At Greening Law. If you've been hurt in a car accident, and I was hurt in a car accident over a year ago, and they're still working with me. I mean, they still are the guys. They check in like, hey, my back is still not right. Like something's messed up. They go, okay, we got you. And they find me some doctors to go to. Well, let's try these guys, and they're going to try some different stuff. They set it up. The doctor calls me. I don't even have to call them for the appointment. I mean, they, they handle all that stuff in the background that can be such a headache. They deal with the insurance companies. They take care of all of that. That is what they do for you. They really are your fierce legal competitor. And that, friends, is why you should pick up the phone. Give them a call, 972-989-3400. Well, you almost had it right. You, you got the numbers backwards. It's 972-934-8900. Here's what I was going to tell you, Matt. A friend of mine in the fourth grade, that I've known since the fourth grade, put on Facebook yesterday that, oh my God, thank you God for blessing my kids. They were in a bad car accident, thrown from the car, but they're okay. And I saw that she had put it up like five minutes just as I got on Facebook and I said, oh. So I sent her a message, I said, hey, you need to call the green team. I gave them the correct number. And I said, get on it and uh, just tell them what your deal is and they'll tell you if, if they think it's a good fit or not. But it doesn't cost you anything to make the phone call and have them walk you through the process. 
That's exactly right. It's very easy to get it taken care of, man. And as you said, it's totally free. The consultation is absolutely free. If you're like Jacques' friend and you think you may or may not have a case, you don't know, guess what? Consultation's free. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Oh, these Dallas Cowboys. I, I wish that... Jerry and Steven and McCarthy were all listening because we told you so, we told you so, we told you so. We begged, we begged you to open your damn eyes to realize you've got a problem at wide receiver heading into the season. And you didn't. And the fear that we have been talking about all along has happened. We already knew Michael Gallup is recovering from ACL surgery. He is, by his own admission, Michael Gallup flat out was asked last week and laughed when he was asked if he might be able to play in week one. He chuckled and was like, no, no, it's not possible. They don't know exactly how long he's going to be out, it sounds like, but I think he's missing the first three or four games of the season. I think that's probably minimum what we're talking about here. So we looked at... Go ahead. Again, man, this is... In today's world, it's a nine-month injury, Okay which is great because it used to be like a year and a half injury. It was a nine-month injury. He did it in January. You shouldn't really even expect him back until October, which is about four games. Exactly. So we know Michael Gallup's going to miss the first chunk of the season. Well, then you run into the fact that they signed James Washington. They drafted Jalen Tolbert. They let Amari Cooper. They traded Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns. Well, the reality with all of this is that James Washington – and I didn't realize this. Apparently, they were very concerned when he was injured because they had big plans for James Washington. But Get the fuck out of here. I'm just saying what was tweeted out by guys that cover the team and are around these McCarthy and, and Jerry every day. James Washington broke a bone in his foot. It is known as a Jones fracture. It is the same injury that Demarcus Lawrence suffered last year. He was out for 10 weeks, as you'll recall. James Washington will miss a minimum of six weeks, a maximum most likely of 10 weeks. He is gone. He, had, he has undergone surgery on Tuesday in Dallas. So what this means for the Dallas Cowboys, okay, they currently have, well, now that James Washington is gone, they currently have 10 wide receivers on the active roster. Michael Gallup is on PUP, the physically unable to perform list. He's not on the active roster, okay? Of the 10 receivers on the active roster, they have CeeDee Lamb. Outside of him, they have one other receiver that has ever caught a pass in the NFL, and that's Noah Brown. (laughs) And I love Noah Brown, but he's just a guy. I mean, again, and and I started looking at this yesterday because I went, when this injury was announced, I I went to the roster. Here's who they have on the active roster. CeeDee Lamb, Noah Brown, Simi Fajoko, Ty Freifogel, Dennis Houston, Jaquari Roberson, Brandon Smith, the rookie Jalen Tolbert that we all know, Kevontae Turpin, and TJ Vasher. Now, what's funny about this, this is from DallasCowboys.com, the roster currently in training camp. They have it Jaquari Robinson. His last name is Roberson. They don't even have the right guy listed on their own freaking roster, man. But they're excited about this young group of wide receivers. You don't even know who you have. Bro, here's a problem, man. Um, And I have no sympathy whatsoever for your Dallas Cowboys. None. I'm not listening to any. I'm not accepting any. And they haven't offered any. And that's cool. 
because I'm, I'm, I'm just not accepting it, bro. And here's why. They didn't have to do this, right? They chose to cut Amari Cooper. Now, I had a conversation with a friend of mine this morning. That would be one Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News. And we were talking about the wide receiver situation. And I said the same thing I'll tell you is I told him. I said, dog, because that's how I talked to him. I said, dog, if Michael Gallup was healthy and they decided to cut Amari Cooper, I'd still kind of shake my head, but i go, they got two healthy receivers. They decided to get rid of this guy. They want a young guy to be the slot. Move on. Okay, that's life in the NFL. I, I can get with that. I might not agree with it, but I understand it. It makes sense to me at a certain level. When you know Michael Gallup is not healthy because he tore his ACL, and you know he's going to probably miss the first month, he's certainly going to miss the first couple games, mm-hmm. then there is no way in hell that you get rid of Amari Cooper because it makes you too thin. Because if something happens to CeeDee Lamb, well, let's just say, man, who do you want with the top third, top three pick in the draft next year? Because they ain't going to be able to move the ball at all. Now, here's the only other thing I'll add to that, Matt. This is a classic case, man, of the Cowboys got pissed. That's not, this is not about Amar's usage last year, how he didn't catch enough balls being number one receiver and he's picking $20 million and all of that, bro. They got pissed because he didn't take the vaccine, he didn't take the jab. And then he missed those two games or three games. And that's why they got pissed. And at that point, Jerry probably, and whoever else is in the circle, in the four, Jerry, Stephen, Will, McCarthy, they're all just like, screw that guy. Get him out of here. I don't want him here. I'm mad at him. Screw him. He heard us, blah, 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 blah. And they let their emotions take over, man. And that's why they got rid of him. And now they're paying the price for making an emotional decision on Amari Cooper. They are. And to further that point and exactly what we're talking about here. So I told you the names of all those guys. So let, let's break down again. Only Noah Brown's ever caught a pass in the NFL. Well, here's what we're dealing with. OK, so this dude, Ty Freifogel, is an undrafted rookie out of Indiana. Dennis Houston is an undrafted rookie out of Western Illinois. Jaquari Robinson is an undrafted free agent out of Wake Forest. Cavante Turpin was undrafted originally when he left college, never caught on with an NFL team and has been playing in the USFL, had a great USFL season, was MVP of the USFL, but still, that, that's the guy that we're talking about there. TJ Vasher was an undrafted free agent last year who the Cowboys picked up, was placed on the reserve injury list all of last season and has never appeared in an NFL game. Brandon Smith, former undrafted free agent, has never appeared in an NFL game. So that leaves you with the following. Simi Fajoko, who they drafted in the fifth round last year, has never caught a pass in the NFL. He appeared in five games last season with the Cowboys, never did anything. Jalen Tolbert, their third-round rookie, and Noah Brown, who's a former seventh-round pick, going into his fifth season in four years in the NFL, has 39 catches for 425 yards, no touchdowns. So another way of looking at this is, you have two players on your roster currently that have ever caught a ball in the NFL. You have one player currently on your roster at the wide receiver position who's ever caught a touchdown pass in the NFL. And that's what you're rolling with right now. That's why it was such a dumb decision to let Amari Cooper go when they did. Um, and it's, it's a decision that most teams don't even make, bro. They, they, most NFL teams don't make a decision until they have to make a decision. That's why a lot of times you'll say, well, how come you haven't made this move yet? 
and Mike McCarthy say, hey, we're waiting until Saturday to make the move because we want to make sure everybody gets through the week healthy. They make the moves at the last possible minute so that there, so that nothing can unforeseen can happen. So to get rid of Amari Cooper and not replace him with anybody close to comparable, you just set yourself up for failure, man. You just did because this is a crazy, brutal game. James Washington didn't get hurt doing anything extraordinary. As far as I'm concerned, it's basically a non-contact injury. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just got tangled up, had a normal fall to the ground, and whoops, there's my toe broken. Well, in the well, wild, I, here you are. And you, you, we talk about Amari Cooper and the reasons why they wanted to get rid of him with, with the COVID-19 and not getting the vaccine for that. Well, what's crazy is they keep bringing up, about, oh, he didn't perform for what he was getting paid and to be one of the highest paid guys. And okay, maybe you didn't use him the way that you should. What's funny about this is, do you realize with all the wide receiver deals that have been made this offseason, Amari Cooper, average per year, is now 12th in the NFL. He's the 12th highest paid wide receiver based on average per year at $20 million. He's behind now Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. He's behind all the guys that all of us would say are better than Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper being the 12th highest paid wide receiver in NFL kind of makes a lot of sense to me. Bro, it's a trip, man. It's It's unbelievable. And now you're screwed because as this conversation moves forward, you go, okay, all right, so it is what it is. And I, I joked about this. I, I put this out on Twitter yesterday. I was like, man, do you call Cleveland and say, hey, we'll give you a fifth for Amari Cooper? <laughs> Would that be insane? I mean, what? my God. But look, it, it's what we're at. Cooper's not here. James Washington is hurt. So what do you do here? Because you can't go into a season in the NFL with CeeDee Lamb basically being the only dude for probably the first month of the season that can do anything for you when you've got that schedule early on with Tampa Bay and Cincinnati in those first two games of the year. So you look at free agency, and there's some names out there that everybody knows, but I would caution everybody. So here's some of the targets that are out there. Odell Beckham Jr. comes with all kinds of who knows what he's going to be for you, turns 29 in November. He was solid last year, decent for Cleveland. Then he goes to the Rams and was actually doing some things, but guess what? He's also coming off a torn ACL injury that he suffered in the Super Bowl, which is in February. (laughs) Don't expect him back to November. Just doing my basic math, Matt. Now there's Cole Beasley. We've done this before. Cole Beasley is a slot guy. He was released in March by Buffalo. He's 33 years old, but he did catch 82 balls for the Buffalo Bills last year and showed in Buffalo that he can be a little something for you. You're familiar with them in Dallas. Would would that be a solution? What do you expect for him? I don't know. There's there, nah, bro. I, I don't. Cole Beasley at 33 doesn't do much for me. There's the former Colt T.Y. Hilton. He turns 33. He caught 23 passes in 10 games last year. Was only targeted 37 times. There's the former SMU standout Emmanuel Sanders. You go, oh yeah, Emmanuel Sanders. That'd be great. He's 35 years old. He caught 42 (laughs) passes in Buffalo last year playing in 14 games. There's Deshaun Jackson, noted Cowboys killer. Yeah, from like a decade ago because he's also 35 years old. Now, he did play in 16 games last year for Vegas and also the Rams. Caught 20 balls for 454 yards. Now, the one guy out of all these names, there's one I haven't mentioned that might make sense, and that's Will Fuller. He's 28 
He's coming off a broken thumb injury last year where he missed the entire season, only played in two games for Miami. He's noted as a speed guy, and at least he is still somebody who's on the right side of 30. But again, not, none of these names to me like screams anything at you other than, you know what? There are 90 players on each roster in camp. All these dudes are on the street. Now think about that, man. I mean, think about that. Think it. Every team's got probably 10 receivers in camp. There's 320 receivers plus another maybe 340 receivers in camps. That don't need a whole lot of guys, bro. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And so that's what I'm going to – I have. I really don't know what the Cowboys do here. And there are some other names. Guess what? A lot of them are inexperienced. A lot of them are undrafted free agent guys that are out there or guys who have never really done much in the NFL. And this is where right. your decision to not do anything to bolster the wide receiver group kind of comes back and bites you in the ass. And what's interesting is they were asked about this. I'm going to play you this clip. This is Mike McCarthy from the Cowboys opening press conference in Oxnard. He was specifically asked about the wide receiver group. And here's what Mike McCarthy had to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, extremely comfortable. And I think it really it's, goes back to what we talked about earlier. There's, there's always a jump that you have to have with every, every team that you uh, put together. So uh, there's always going to be a void of experience uh, where the, your youth has to step up and contribute and I have great confidence in that I have a lot of experience at it so um, and I think when you you know see a leader uh, such as Dak the, it's because it's always the extra it's it, it's the workout so you know away from you know uh, the offseason program whether it's in Miami or at his home so it, it's it's the it's the details and the extra reps and so forth because that's that's just the climate that 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 way that we work in now and I, I think our players are definitely of the right mindset. Uh, these guys spend a tremendous amount of time together away from away from the facility. And that all those things are important. So uh, the youth of our football team will factor early in our season. And, and it'll probably be at the wide receiver position. I, um, I, I think you have to anticipate that. That's the way we're training the team. And, and that's the formula that's going to be part of our success. So, again, he's extremely comfortable with it. Because Dak has spent a lot of time with these guys, and they're counting on undrafted rookie free agents who have never caught a pass in the NFL, and the vast majority of these names that I listed to you have never stepped foot into an NFL game. You're counting on those guys to immediately make an impact against NFL-level defensive backs, linebackers, and what have you. That's what he just said. Well, that's... Yeah, and that's why... You know, you have, to ask, you have to be critical of it, man. This doesn't mean it can't happen, and if it does, kudos to them. Uh, I'll take the hit and be like, hey, you guys are right. That's why they pay you the big bucks. But it's a flawed strategy, man, um, because it didn't have to be. They chose to put themselves in a predicament. Nobody should choose to put yourself in a predicament. I mean, you just shouldn't. There should be better, more thoughtful ways to do it. But what happened is they just got mad and, um, and made an emotional decision uh, you know, like a petulant kid would do. Man, it's it's really, really one of those situations when you look at this. And again, this is why it's so frustrating. I mean, the season's begun. You know, we've been talking about this. The Hall of Fame game is on Thursday night. You look around the league. You look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did. And it, again, it, it's so hard to envision that Dallas is going to win the East this year. And you just wonder how long 
Stephen brought this up and we played those clips about how, oh, you know, if we need to, we've got some, what I forget what he called it. We've got some cheese or whatever he was calling it. If we need to, we can go out and buy some guys. Dry powder, man. Yeah, dry, dry powder. powder. Dry powder is what he was calling it. But like, I was like, okay, uh, well, who, who at the wide receiver position are you going out and getting right now to shore up your team? Because, well, you know, Michael Gallup's coming back, and then midseason, hey, James Washington will be back. That'll be like a trade for us. Well, he might be 0-5 <laughs> by then. Bro. I mean, that's reality. Uh, they, they've got, again, they've got Tampa Bay. They've got Cincinnati. Now, the Giants don't strike fear in you. It's a road game, and they've got Washington and then the Rams. Those are their first five games of the season. What if Michael Gallup can't come back until week 16 against the Eagles? And, and you're trying to go up against all those five teams that I just named with CeeDee Lamb and a bunch of dudes nobody knows who the hell they are, and the Cowboys can't even spell their name right in their own roster. <laughs> it's a very difficult time right now. I will say there is opportunity, you know, and so, if we want to take a moment to be positive, and I'll take this moment to be positive, all right? I really will. Because it could happen. And we've told you all the negative scenarios. Y'all are well-versed in that. But if we go back just a few years, Matt, what was the mood around Dallas? What was the mood around Cap? What was the mood around the team when in the span of a few days, Tony Romo went out and Kelly Moore went out and yeah. the only quarterback on was Dak Prescott, round pick. Oh, my God. The season is a disaster. All the guys are fourth-round pick who can play. Romo's not coming back for six, seven, eight weeks. This season is a wrap, bro. Count it. Book it. Write it down. And Dak Prescott took advantage of opportunity and became a beast. And now he's an elite quarterback. Well, no. Now he's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league by most accounts. All those who matter. He's got a $40 million contract. So that worked out okay. So... Perhaps Jaden Tolbert is the guy. He's getting an opportunity now. Everybody really liked him and thought he was a good draft pick when he was picked nationally as well as within the building. And so maybe he will be that guy who gets to play through a strange set of circumstances, gets to start, which would have never happened. And we look back a year from now and go, oh, my God, Jaden Tolbert, 82 catches, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. Who knew? But opportunity presented itself, and he took advantage of it. Yeah, you never know. And we've seen, you know, whether it was Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, we've seen rookie wide receivers come into the league very recently and, and have success. And part of the reason why Justin Jefferson had some success as a rookie in Minnesota was because of opportunity, like what we're talking about. And, you know, it, it, it's a little different because both those names I just mentioned were first-round draft picks. And Jalen Tolbert is a third-round draft pick, but it's about opportunity and taking advantage of that, and they've got some opportunity here. It's just, it's very, very difficult when you go into a season, and we've talked about this many times, when you have this many ifs at so many different positions for all of them to turn out positively. And, and that's just, you know, and I love how they do these projections. Oh, we have our projections. okay. Even, even then, you're still hoping and projecting that certain things are going to happen. Not all of them are going to happen. They're just not. And that's where this yeah, gets to be. a lot of averages. Yeah, man. I mean, it's that's where the real concern comes from this. And, you know, I mean, you, you look at a team like the Eagles, who now have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. You know, and it's not like Jalen Rager is turning heads or anything, but it, 
at least he's a dude that's got some experience. And Greg Ward, who showed up and did a couple of things, and, and Quez Watkins, I mean, as weird as it is, I mean, I would take the Eagles receiver group every day of the week over what the Cowboys are rolling out with. Oh, I don't think it's any question. <laughs> Not right now, there's no question. I mean, he's, I mean, it just is what it is, bro. Um, so they, they got a lot to make up for. Hopefully they can. Uh, but this is a tough deal, bro. This is a very tough deal. And uh, they need a guy like Jalen Tober to surprise and shock us all and turn in a, a really good season. Yeah, so It doesn't matter whether um, Michael Gallup comes back or not because even if he comes back in the fourth game, he ain't going to be Michael Gallup for another four or five games. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If then. So they need Tobert to play well, bro. And the only other thing I can think of is that, I mean, this he's comfortable doing it and you can get creative with him, is if you start using Tony Pollard and he's actually like lined up in the slot and doing a lot of things with Zeke as your running back and you're using Tony Pollard as more of a receiver and doing some of those Debo Samuel type things with him. You know, this is a dude who is rookie year three years ago. Well, I guess technically 2019. 15 catches on 20 targets last year 39 catches on 46 targets they've used him more and more each year of his career you kind of wonder okay if you got to throw Jalen Tolbert you maybe put him out wide and, and you get creative with what you can do with him and, and Pollard you and mixing and matching using Pollard in the slot some no I think that's a uh, I mean I think that's cool man I think that's the way to go that's the call that's the move I would make um, and again, if we want to take a positive slant, because sometimes it's cool to do that as opposed to dealing in reality all the time. But if you want to take a positive slant, maybe we'll look back and go, wow, that injury to Washington forced them to put Tony Pollard in the slot, forced them to uh, give him an opportunity to make plays from there. And oh, my God, look how it turned out. Yeah, we'll look at it through Cowboys' glasses. Why not? Because this is a time of the year to do that. the other ones, you get sick, bro. You need Pepto-Bismol. Well, and, and I guess if Washington was going to get hurt, at least it happened early, and it forces you to have to get creative in camp, so you've got multiple weeks to be able to practice in these exact scenarios. But, man, I mean, true that, true that, true that. just high-level frustration with the Cowboys, that's for damn sure, because it's CeeDee Lamb <laughs> and a bunch of random-ass dudes. A bunch of guys named Joe. Yeah, pretty much. That's why we love Freeway Tire Shop, because every time you go, it's consistent. <laughs> JR and his crew are like the opposite of the Cowboys front office. They do it right, and when they make a mistake, they don't try to defend it. They go, okay, you know what? Hey, let's get this right. Let's make sure that you're happy with the work that we're doing. That's what Freeway Tire Shop is all about. He is the mechanic you can trust, whether it's an oil change, whether it's extensive mechanical work, whether it's tires. I mean, JR and his guys... Jacques knows all your cars have been touched by JR. Bro, the thing about JR is um, you can trust him. And to me, that's a big deal when you're dealing with a mechanic. You can trust him. You trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car, then you trust him to use quality parts to fix it. You trust him to charge you a fair freaking price, bro. And then you trust him to stand behind his work. If you can find a mechanic who does that thing, those four things consistently, time after time after time after time, over year after year after year, then go hang with that person. Um, JR's that guy for me. That's why I take all my cars there. I tell all my friends to go there. It's on 35 and Commonwealth, about five minutes from the heart of downtown Dallas. It's worth the trip. If you're anywhere close, go let JR handle your car, man. You'll be glad you did. You will indeed. It's Freeway Tire Shop, my friends. Easy to find, easy 
to schedule your appointment to request a quote online at Freeway Tire Shop. So let's take a trip around the block. Got some interesting things here to share with you. First off, I know that you've been busy. I don't know if you've had an opportunity. Have you gotten caught up on Better Call Saul at all? Hell no. Okay, well, Better Call Saul is finally down to the final two episodes of the show. And I got to tell you, man, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know some people who believe it's better than the Breaking Bad series. In some ways, maybe it is, but it's so hard because those characters are so iconic that I don't see it on that same, quite the same level as Breaking Bad. Right. But they finally meshed the two in the episode that ran the other night, and it worked really, really well. And they've been doing... I was going to ask you if it made sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they've been doing some really interesting things in the last couple of episodes where they flash back and they show kind of Saul Goodman where he was and then they kind of are in the modern time where Saul Goodman is and then they flash forward and the flash forwards are always in black and white they did an entire episode the other night and it was all black and white the entire episode is a flash forward which are episodes that take place after the ending of Breaking Bad Mm. like way in the future when he's working at Cinnabon and showing you what he becomes and it's almost like I guess in the final two episodes we're going to get our like the whole story arc of Saul Goodman will just come to an end because Better Call Saul is a Breaking Bad prequel, which shows where the character Saul Goodman comes from. Then he's he's throughout, the, the obviously, the show Breaking Bad, and these flash forwards that they have are almost like showing us, okay, we kind of know what happens to Jesse Pinkman because of the movie El Camino. Obviously, we know what happens to Walt White, and now we're going to find out what happened to Saul Goodman in the years after the ending of Breaking Bad. It's really interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they I think... Um, go ahead. They've just done... They've done a phenomenal job. I mean, it's really... I mean, some of these last recent episodes, some of the stuff they've done is like camera work and just the decisions they've made are really interesting. No, I mean, I think that's part of the charm of the show. Breaking Bad, um, as well as uh, Better Call Saul, that's one of the few shows, dude... I got all into the cinematography of it, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Nah, because it was, uh, you know, it was, it was just cool. Yeah, I mean, it was in the way they shot it, shoot it, and the way uh, they take you up close. I mean, it's just everything about the way they shoot it is cool. I mean, I like the way they shot Ozarks as well. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just original and it's it's cool. Yeah, it's interesting because they do things in Breaking Bad, like for instance. Like, some of the ways that they decide to show you things. He was burning something the other day in one of those, like, oil drum barrels. And they had a camera from inside the barrel with the flames above it. And you just see his face, like, leaning in and throw. I mean. That's what I'm talking about. And it's just little things like that that are so different that you never see anybody else shoot stuff like that. No, no, no. That's part of, to me, is part of the charm of the show. And it's weird because I've seen Breaking Bad the entire thing twice. And watching this, because there's two more episodes ever. So it'll conclude on April 15th will be the final episode of all time of Better Call Saul. And it makes me want to just like go from that right into Breaking Bad and watch it again for a third time. Bro, if I, I, I wouldn't I would like to do that. But, uh, you know, finding time to do that, yeah. it'd be like a year from now, next summer when it's slow again. Yep. But yeah, that would be uh, that would be that would be cool to do. But Breaking Bad is one of my all time favorite shows. And it, it's, 
I, it, I mean, Better Call Saul is really, really good. I don't know. It's always hard. It, it's hard for me when you see shows. It's almost like sometimes I have to go back because I've been watching Break or Better Call Saul in real time. And I wonder if in a few years I'll want to go back and binge Better Call Saul and if I'll see it differently or weigh it differently than I do going through the process of it. Oh, I bet you will. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I bet you will. So we shall see. The other thing that I had for you, Jacques and I are recording this on Tuesday. It's April 2nd. It was on this day that the movie Weird Science was released in theaters on April 2nd, 1985. Did you ever see that movie? Tell me what it's about. It's, it's about two nerds that use a computer program to create the perfect woman, and she walks out of their closet in like a crop top and a pair of underwear. Who was the who was the woman? It was Kelly LeBrock. I think I've, I think I saw that. And Anthony Michael Hall was one of the the nerds. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I saw that. Robert Downey Jr. was in it. Bill Paxton played like their older brother and stuff like this. And you right. know, it's 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 a John Hughes movie. It's one of those '80s coming of age John Hughes movies. But this is one of those that I I want to say I watched it like maybe a year ago or something. Why? I don't know, man. I just, it was on because TV. Because it didn't hold up a year ago. Yeah, it did not. It doesn't. <laughs> Which is interesting because John Hughes, generally speaking, most John Hughes movies to me, like 16 Candles, I think still holds up. The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Some Kind of Wonderful, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I mean, there's so many of them. Those are just the ones off the top of my head that I've seen many times that still hold up. But Weird Science is the one where it's, I mean, it's weird. It's definitely weird. And, you know, it's like that that high school guy fantasy that some super hot model chick is going to want you. <laughs> you know, and you can't, like, you've been fantasizing, and, oh, my God, you look over, and she's coming out of your closet, and you can't believe it, and now you're the coolest guy in school because you've got this fantasy girl. You know, that part of it is never going to get old because I think all teenage boys go through a phase somewhat of that nature. But the ending of it where, like, there's this whole other portal and this dimension and it's just weird and I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I caught Ferris Bueller's Day Off on TV not that long ago. That that to me that is still like, holds up to me. Dude, that's a classic movie that I feel like 20 years from now you could watch it. And it would still work. Because the principle, the basics of it is kids are always trying to skip school. Yeah. And when you skip school, you get a car and you go on an adventure that day that you that you laugh and joke about over beers 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. So that to me holds up. No problem. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I think weird science. Was, I'd like to I wouldn't mind a reboot of weird science. How about that? You can do it again. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, you because could do it. In, I mean, how would you do it in this day and age? I guess you're online, and they right, it'd be do, like you get some DNA and mix it up. Yeah, it'd be like you went online and you went to like a real doll site and you tried to create like one of those real dolls, and then right. lightning hit your house and it became real or something. I don't know. But I also yeah. don't, I don't know. Like you don't. God, this is such a weird conversation. But the reality of it is. I don't think teenagers today fantasize the way that you were forced to in the 80s and the mid-90s. Oh, because they just click on it and watch porn? Correct, yes. There's, there's so much available that's easy to find versus the way that it used to be where you were hoping to catch the, you know, a boob in the static on late-night Cinemax. 
or there'd be right, a free right, right. preview weekend or, you know, like a freaking Victoria's Secret catalog would get delivered to the house or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, because I mean, that, that's reality. I mean, I, I think this will never happen. I might be the last generation. I don't know. Maybe there's some people that are in their late thirties where, and I'm sure that you remember this. Do you remember the first time you ever saw a porn magazine? The first time? Yeah. Like I don't, those don't even exist anymore. I don't think like, what's the point of them? Like a well, Playboy or I, something, I, even. I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. I don't remember the first time I saw a Playboy or a Penthouse or whatever. But I do remember distinctly. I'm, I can't remember how it happened. I remember distinctly discovering motion pictures in college. VCR tapes. Okay. And once I saw my first VCR tapes, I don't think I ever watched the magazine again. <laughs> yeah, I mean that makes sense, but because I, like, I was like, "Wow, they're really doing this on huh, Wow, whoo, how about that?" And so after that, magazines, uh, you know, I was they were they were null and void for me. Yeah, and it's really interesting to me because you think about like that day and age and how interesting it is where like I remember there's this kid in our neighborhood whose dad had like a Playboy subscription or something. Right. You know, and he was always like, like, you'd go to his house and you, he'd sneak into his dad's closet and come out with like five Playboys. You'd be like, oh my God. You know, nobody yeah, does see. that anymore. It, it, that right. just doesn't exist anymore. Well, let's take this conversation down the deeper road. Okay. So, I mean, even when I was a kid, okay, Playboy may have been most famous, but it was the least raunchiest. Well, yeah, it was class. I mean, if, if there is a class. It was classy oh. neck. It was, like cla- it was like artistry nudes. And, you know, Penthouse was much more... Well, that was graphic. That was disgustingly graphic and whatnot. But then Hustler was more graphic than Penthouse. I wouldn't know. I didn't look at those types of things. See, now... Apparently... Be honest with the audience. I know mom is listening, but you're a grown-ass man who's about to get married again. You got a kid. You've seen all the stuff. I have indeed. It's true. (laughs) You've sampled it all. I mean, it's... I'm sorry, Mom. He's no. not a virgin anymore. No, it's one of those things where... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it's... Now, I will tell you this story, man. Yeah? As I'm on a roll now. Okay, what now? I, I do remember... And this is a true story. This is not exaggerated at all. I'm sure um, it's I not. Had my, I had my collection of, of Playboy... Okay, let me not, let me, let me, I said this is a true story. I don't think I had any Playboy. I had my collection of Penthouse and Hustler. There was some, I want to say it was, and some of y'all help me, quit acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. Was there some magazine called like Cherry or Cherie? Oh, maybe I'm thinking We. I don't know, something like that. I had my collection in my room somewhere, hidden away. And I came home one day and I went to my collection it was gone gone nothing left now i did have a single i was living in a single parent home i didn't figure my sister took them <laughs> so it had to be my mother and so i went down to my mother's closet i rummaged through her closet i found my magazines and for some reason i took them and put them back in my room okay. and when she came home after you know things had settled down yeah. Had dinner. I said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Yes, Shaq. What do you need? What's up? I said, hey, um, I just want you to know 
I went and took my magazines back. <laughs> okay. I said, all right. My grades are pretty good. <laughs> I don't smoke. I don't drink. I just like to look at naked girls. <sighs> Fine. Don't leave them in a spot where your sister can find them. Wow. And I said, okay, I won't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How old were you? Probably uh, 15 or 16. Interesting. All right. Yeah. All right. So there. There you go. Stand up for yourself, youngsters. There you go with your collection. I mean, you were a connoisseur. You weren't about to let somebody steal from you. Well, dude, see, here's the, here's the other part of the story. Me and my boy, you don't want to, for whatever reason, you know, I grew up in Oak Cliff, rugged and lead better. I don't want to be trying to drive around the convenience stores in my neighborhood trying to get these magazines. I don't yeah. want to be labeled. Nah. Even though, who cares what some pimple-faced 16-year-old kid is buying? So we would hop in the car, and I don't even know what you call this bridge, man. It's a toll bridge in Grand Prairie that takes you past Dallas Baptist into, like, some other part of Grand Prairie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. We used to go across the toll bridge, man, to this store over there because it was like, you know, it's far enough away. Nobody knows us over here. We can be seedy over here. And uh, then we used to drive back. Okay. Well, look at you. Who knew you were so yeah. debaucherous? <laughs> I'm telling a lot about myself. You really You are. need to share more, Matt. No, I've shared plenty. I mean, no, you haven't. I don't know what else to share. <laughs> uh, fine. What else do you want to tell us about your magazines? Nothing. All I know is your mom's turning red laughing. So that's good enough for me. <laughs> she probably is. She's brought your dad over to say, you won't believe this. Yeah, Listen. maybe. <laughs> Who knows? And then the, my dad will be like, well, I don't remember that. And I'll be like, no, it happened. Trust me. Unfortunately, I have, I'm, I'm cursed with that level of memory. <laughs> I remember it all. It's all true. Hell yeah. All right. So the other thing I wanted to get into here on this trip around the block, I was curious because obviously you're dealing with it much more in Texas. But I mean, let's be honest. Everybody is doing it. What do you keep your air conditioning on? Like, what do you do night and day? Uh, now I am the type of person because I just don't want a, uh, $9,000 electric bill. Yeah. Nor do I want a $2,200 bill in the, in the wintertime. So I'm the kind of person who used to tell my kids, if you're cold, since you ain't paying no bills, put on a hoodie and chill out in the crib. And so now I probably not. So I'm the opposite during the summertime. You know, I mean, but there is a limit. But I try to keep it on 76, 75, 74. Uh, I try not to go too much lower than that. The key, I think, and I, I, I typically do a very poor job of this, like poor job of this. The key, I think, is changing the filters even more regularly than usual mm. so that you can get a clean airflow. Yeah, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. See, because I, I keep mine... I cannot sleep at night if it's not cold. Like, like I, I won't sleep well. So at night, right. I turn it down to 67. Oh, my God. But I when I chocolate ice cube, when I wake up in the morning, I walk over and I turn it up to 77. And generally, like like our home that we have here is fairly new. And so the insulation on it and whatnot is really good. So That's the key. 
Yeah, there's a lot of days where, I mean, it'll take until, you know, 5 o'clock, 5.30 before the air conditioning kicks on at 77 again. Like, it'll take all day to warm it up that warm to where the AC has to come on. Right, right, right. And then, you know, to help it, like, I don't drop it from 77 to 67. Once the sun goes down and it starts to cool off, you know, I'll, I'll drop it to 74. And then, you know, maybe a couple hours after that, I drop it to 71. And then we get ready for bed. It goes from 71 to 67. All right. That, that doesn't sound too extreme to me. Yeah, it's not too bad. And, and 67 is like the sweet spot that we found. Because one time I tried to put it on 69. I was like, man, I, I feel like, and we both like, yeah, it's kind of warm last night. Like that yeah, two yeah. degrees, I don't know what it was. Now it's the thought to put in your head. I guess, who knows? <laughs> but that's what I preferred on. And if not, then I got to have like a fan blowing, like not a ceiling fan. I mean like a fan on the side of the bed that is like blowing directly on me. Jeez, that's, dude, I get sick if I do that. Dude, I get really, if, if I do not have the temperature locked down, I mean, I will get really warm at night. I don't know what it is. I'm just a warm sleeper, which is strange, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's what it is. It's just how it is for me. Sleeper. Okay. Well, now, you know, like generally speaking during the week, I like to get really good sleep and sleep deeply. I mean, I, I sleep with the sound machine. I got a sleep mask on. I mean, I'm. You got a whole routine, bro. It's a thing. You got to make sure you get good sleep. It's important. Much like you need to make sure that you take care of your foundation, which is why HFX Foundation Solutions exist. It's, I will tell you this, man. I, so I, I emailed Aaron, who is the owner-operator, his crews. They're the guys that will come out and take care of you with HFX Foundation Solutions. And I was right. curious because I said, hey, I, you know, how bad is it when it's this hot and this dry? Because it's been really, really hot in DFW and ridiculously dry. And he said it's, it's awful. He said it'll only continue to get worse until we have a considerable and relatively consistent rainfall to get the soil rehydrated. And he recommends that your best option right now is just water as regularly as reasonable. Do what you can to keep your yard from frying. He says just getting some water around those foundations can be key. And then he recommended this. He said document any changes you're seeing in your house and make sure they get things checked out sooner rather than later. Just because we're out of July, the heat's not going away, and the rain is coming at some point, which will be a whole nother ordeal. So again, this is a really serious situation with the foundations and the soil in Texas. If you are seeing any changes, anything at all, like the sticking doors, any new cracks, you really need to jump on that quickly and give HFX Foundation Solutions a call it's easy to get a hold of them. They'll come out. It's a free, no obligation inspection. 817-770-0174. But man, I know right now it's it's bad in, in DFW. Bro, I mean, I think that's those are some great tips right there. Uh, also lets you know that nothing's changing anytime soon because who knows when it'll be before the soil gets hydrated because it would have to rain a lot. Yeah. Um, the key, man, is to be aware of these things, be aware of cracks, be aware of all the things that can wreck your foundation and stay on top of it, bro. I mean, to me, that's the most important thing. Give Aaron and his team a call and uh, let them give your house what we lovingly call a colonoscopy. 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. They will get you set up, man. Don't mess with that stuff right now. It's too dang hot and it's too dang dry. Just get it taken care of. You're, it, it just will help you tremendously, I'm telling you. Also, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue, my friends. 
they're busy getting ready for the fair and they'll be finalizing their customer appreciation stuff coming up this last month of august so be ready for that but it is smoky john's barbecue always delicious always fantastic and always supplying you with that jam session bowl off the secret menu only for jam session podcast listeners if you're one of our you're like what what do you mean i'm telling you they made a menu item on their secret menu that you can go in and order that will not be on the menu and other people will look at you and go what is that and you'll say uh, <laughs> i listen to jam session and then juan will fist bump you come over talk to you about the show and you guys can make fun of us it'll be great <laughs> it doesn't get better than Smokey John. Nah, man, the barbecue is good. I had the jam session bowl last week, walked in wearing my jam session t-shirt, my red one, ordered it off the secret menu. I did mine with a brisket and sausage. It was delicious uh, with a mashed potato base, man, some chives, some sour cream, whew, some cheese, drizzles that uh, famous barbecue sauce over it that Matt likes to drink, and it was heavenly it was so good i put a big dent in it bro normally i, I don't eat that much of it because mm. but i put a big dent in it uh i paid for it the next day because it's a little hard on my stomach because i'm not used to eating like that but it was worth it bro it was worth all the gas i let out the next morning while i was working out <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even feel bad about it man it was disrespectful to the other people in the gym but hey it happened smoky john's so good it makes you toot sometimes but uh you know what can i say bro uh go order it off the secret menu it's fantastic dude i mean you know i can't wait for juan to listen to this one <laughs> and, and for them to adapt that new tagline smoky john's is so good it makes you toot sometimes i mean maybe they'll start running television commercials and they'll be like smoky john's Whoa, what's that? Did you have Smokey John's last night? That's right. <laughs> Smokey John's so good, it'll make you toot. Golly. <laughs> I'm sure he'll send us an email or a text and be like, yeah, we're adopting it. Now we're going to make t-shirts and it'll just be an air on the t-shirt with that tagline. So this has been a wild, wild last couple of days in the NFL outside of what the Cowboys have going on. The Deshaun Watson decision came down it's this is such an a weird conversation to me because i feel like on the surface you look at this and all of us go how in the hell do you have all these allegations of sexual misconduct cases that were settled with the guy who only gets six games suspension with a judge who even flat out acknowledges the allegations in a lot of cases pretty much being true to the point where she banned him for the rest of his career from getting a massage from anyone that is not oriented with the club that he is with. But he only wow. gets a six-game suspension. Well, see, I think if you... Uh, and I had a friend of mine who's a lawyer weigh in on it, and she was like, um, she was like, this is uh, what's funny is she used to be a sports reporter at the Dallas Morning News. Interesting. And then got tired of that and became a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> um, she was saying that uh, y'all might not like it, but it's really a legal decision that she made based on the case and how uh, right. other things the NFL has done. They kind of inadvertently set precedents along the way and that 
that made sense based on the precedent and there's some kind of language change that they made where she was saying this kind of fits exactly how it should be from a legal standpoint right because we also know anytime you go to court on a legal matter not an nfl issue or whatever a lot of times something happens and people go oh check this out dog let's just use a, a regular example if you kill somebody um vehicular accident what do you call it uh you're drinking and driving and you kill somebody involuntary manslaughter right uh with alcohol i forget but they say that but it's mandatory six months if you don't have a prior previous record i mean you're clean i just tied one on this day i had a horrible mistake it went wrong one person died um if you don't have another thing on your record and you got a good attorney bro you'll do those six months You'll be on probation for a while, five years, 10 years, but you'll do those six months in jail and that's it. Whereas if you don't have that kind of representation or you've got it before, you do the same thing and you might be facing 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting because the reality, like she flat out says, Deshaun's, Deshaun Watson's pattern of behavior was egregious. But the reason why she settled on the six games is because that egregious pattern of behavior came from a first-time offender and it consisted of non-violent sexual conduct. And I think a lot of people have taken disagreement with that statement that the fact that he did things and these women did not consent, there might not have been any physical violence in the sense of he was hitting them or things of that nature, but that the right. idea that you would do something to a woman without her consent her consent, excuse me, would be defined in its very nature as violent, regardless if it was like a shoving or a punch or something of that nature. And a lot of people have taken into disagreement on that part of it. But to your point, the, again, the NFL and the new CBA, and, and I got you, like the people tweeting out about like, oh, Calvin Ridley got a year for gambling and he got six for this. That's like two, like it's in the CBA, that if you gamble, you get a year suspension. Like, that's what it is. Right. You know, so that's the punishment. And so when you're dealing with the CBA, and this is what where this got weird. In years past, Roger Goodell could basically do whatever the hell he wanted. Well, now they have taken that out of Roger Goodell's hands. So in the new CBA, they take it to an independent, and in this case, this is the lady they've hired to deal with things of this. Her name's Sue L. Robinson. She's a former federal judge. So she is the one that has the power now, not Roger Goodell, to make these types of decisions. Because the NFL, and this is where people I don't think understand this, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media. Oh, the NFL does this. and The, the NFL was pushing for a one-year suspension. They asked for a one-year suspension. It was an independent former federal judge who was presented with the evidence, and based on what she was presented with and the constructs of how the CBA is worded, decided to give this guy six games, not the NFL. No, that's uh, absolutely true. And so I think it's, uh, but I think it's better this way, man, because the other way, for lack of a better uh, verbiage, you know, your, your commission was judge, jury, and executioner. And it, did, it didn't really matter if you felt like it was a fair case or not. Okay, the NFL brought these charges against me. Now the NFL is ruling on these charges. And then if I appeal it, I appeal it to the NFL. I got no, I mean, that's why Zeke got six games. I just, I literally have no shot. You know, this way, at least with an independent legal thing, you can say, hey, we can present our case and we can feel good about, you know, however it turns out, at least we had an independent view of it. 
Yeah, and and again, you know, you look at this, and, and on the surface, I understand it, and, and it doesn't make sense, and it's something that the NFL needs to do a better job of setting up in the future, like how to punish things of this nature. But as she kind of pointed out in writing about this, and I've read articles where they, uh, like the dude in the sporting news who was pissed that she brought this up, attempting to impose a more dramatic shift in its culture without the benefit of fair notice to and consistency of consequence for those in the NFL subject to the policy. Basically saying that, okay, she's asserting here that the NFL should have made it more clear that this is what's going to happen to you now if you engage in this type of behavior. And because they did not do that, and because there hasn't been dramatic suspensions and punishment in the past, you can't do it now unless you serve notice to them that that's what's going to happen in the future. Which right. we, we can all disagree with that all day long, but that's what, as an independent for, former federal judge, she decided to do. Also, the idea, he was never charged with a crime. Two grand juries, for whatever reason, decided not to pursue any charges against Deshaun Watson, and you can't use civil suits as evidence in this scenario. Yeah. So, I don't know what you're supposed to do here. I was shocked that it was only six games. I mean, quite honestly, to me, I thought it would be a year. I figured he was going to miss another year. But, you know, I started thinking that it was not going to be so long when the reports came out that he wasn't going to appeal it. Like, he's like, fine, I'm going to take these six. We set my contract up so that it would be a very minimal hit this year Uh, because I think he's making whatever the minimum salary is. Yes, Um, he is. I mean, so that was smart on him in terms of putting his contract like that. Uh, and this is all I know, bro. He was mild for autographs after practice today. Yep, he was. Why? Because the vast majority of people just want you to help us win. Sad but true, yeah, man. Sad but true. I was going to say, you can say that's sad, uh, but that's what it is. Can you help us win? I just thought, how pathetic is it that you're someone that had to be told by a judge that you are no longer allowed to have a massage by anybody who's not affiliated with the club that you're employed? That tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, bro. I mean, that's that? that's that's pathetic. It's sick. It's sad. It's, it's interesting that they could even put a rule in like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. I mean, really, it's interesting that they could put a rule in there like that because it seems like that goes against whatever some of your personal liberties are. But, hey, it is what it is. Ain't nobody feeling sorry for him. So No, not at all. And I imagine he will get booed in, by many, many people in many, many stadiums outside of Cleveland. Like, it always goes, and then the people on your own fan base are like, oh, no, we like you. Yeah, I mean, heck, Greg Hardy played in Dallas, bro. Which never should have happened. And he received some cheers on those five sacks he got. The other thing in the NFL that came out today is the massive penalty thrown down on the Miami Dolphins, who were stripped of their 2023 first-round pick and uh, I believe their 2024 third-round pick for violations of league policies relating to the integrity of the game. I mean, again, much like Calvin Ridley, the NFL takes this integrity of the game stuff extremely seriously. This follows a six-month investigation in which they found that owner Stephen Ross and vice chairman Bruce Beal violated the anti-tampering policy on three occasions in conversations with quarterback Tom Brady and the agent for Sean Payton when he was with the New Orleans Saints. They did not, however, find any evidence that they intentionally lost games 
during the 2019 season, like former coach Brian Flores had alleged that they had done. So, I mean, that, anytime a team loses a first-round pick, I mean, that's that's a, a big penalty. No, that's, that's as stiff as they can do, although they could have said, hey, we're going to take them from you in 2023 and 2024. Um, and I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been opposed with that because and all that tells you is that story about Brady going to the Dolphins with Sean Payton to coach him was absolutely true. And, and that's why he retired and all this other stuff. Um, so, no, nah, I thought it was very interesting, very intriguing. And uh, I can't remember who broke the story, but kudos to that person. Yes, kudos to that person. And now the Dolphins will have to move forward without a first round pick in 2023. So if they're not sold on Tua, well. Sucks for you. You're probably going to have to keep him for another year. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We'll find out. I mean. Well, see, interesting because they don't have their own first-round pick, but they could trade two to the Cowboys for their first-round pick. They could if they wanted to do that. And get one that way. So they can trade two. Right. But if you're trading two for a first-round pick, then you probably means he played well enough you should keep him. Yeah, you would think so. So we'll see how it works out. But, I mean, the NFL, obviously, all this news. And it, it, it's almost as if the NFL does this on purpose. Like, okay, well, here's the Deshaun Watson news. Hey, release that stuff on Miami. We got to get Watson out of the headlines. Uh, I, would not, I would not put that past the NFL. Not by any stretch. And then finally, the other thing that we have for you is all this stuff that's happening in Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball trade deadline. And you look at what the San Diego Padres have done. My God. They're all in, baby. The San Diego Padres have traded six of their top 14 prospects and six players on their Major League roster in exchange for four players. They brought those four players. Those four players. I mean, Juan Soto, Josh Bell from the Nationals, Josh Hader, the closer from the Brewers, and Brandon Drury. They traded two of their brightest young players. I mean, really, you could make a case because Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams are on the Major League roster, but a year ago, they were the top two prospects in the Padres system. So you throw them in. They traded their number one prospect this year. All these guys are in the minors still. Their number one prospect in Robert Hassel. Their number three prospect in James Wood. Their number six in Victor Acosta. Their number eight in Robert Gaston. Their number nine is Sturry Ruiz, and their number 14 in... Harlan Susana. Now, the Juan Soto trade's insane because Washington got a cluster of players back that is higher than what the Rangers got in the Teixeira deal that set the foundation forward for them to be what they were with those World Series teams. Oh, my. That's a hell of a deal, then. I mean, again, they basically... You got a gift to get, though, bro. They basically got the Padres' top four prospects and five of their top 14 in the trade for Soto and Josh Bell. And the Padres now can throw Juan Soto in a lineup of Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. And yeah, you lose out on what the future could have been for Mackenzie Gore, a left-handed pitcher who was a rookie. But you still have Hugh Darvish at the top of your rotation. You have Musgrove, who's been an all-star this year. A couple other guys they have in that rotation. And if you're the Padres, I mean, you kind of look at it and go, look, we haven't made it past the divisional round since we lost in the World Series in 1998. Why not go for it and load up and see if this can be a year that we can make some noise? Bro, I mean, I was like this when the Rangers were close for four or five years. If you can make it happen, bro, 
go make it happen. I mean, really, if you can make it happen, go make it happen. If this is your year and you got the team, go for it because the championship memories last a lifetime. The uh, the hundred loss seasons, uh, they don't. So go for it. And uh, San Diego, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, they are San Diego. The Padres are still, yeah, they're still in San yeah, Diego. You know, everybody in San Diego leaves except the Padres. But uh, go for it, man. I mean, what can you say about A.J. Perley? He jumped for it. He went for it. Hopefully, to me, it works because I love – I would love to reward aggressiveness. Yeah, and I, and I think it's cool, like, when the Padres do something because they're one of those franchises – they've never won a World Series. They've only been in the World Series twice. They lost in 84 when the Tigers beat them in five games, and they lost in 98 when they were swept by the Yankees. That's it. And San, that's a beautiful stadium. It's a beautiful city. You know, and you look at this and you just think – I mean, reality of it is, you know Juan Soto's legit. You know what Bell and Jury bring you. You know what Hater is. Yeah, you, you C.J. Abrams and, and McKenzie Gore at some point are probably going to be really, really good. Maybe one of the two of those prospects turn out, but not all six of the prospects they gave up are going to turn out to be what Juan Soto or Josh Hader is. I mean, that's just no, reality. Baseball is hard, brother. But, man, I mean, it's, it's amazing the volumes of trades they made and the amount of prospects that they gave up to bring in the guys that they brought in and, and, and Juan Soto. And here's the thing. It's not just 2022. It's 2023. It's 2024. Juan Soto's under contract for two more years, whether they work out an extension with them or not. Right. And so, uh, but they, you know, the, all these guys are young. They've still got a chance to do something, man. And uh, I would love to see them make it happen. Yeah. So, We'll see how it goes for the San Diego Padres. I mean, there's been a lot of trades around baseball. The Rangers made some weird-ass trade, which I didn't even really know why they made it. And that was they traded Matt Bush. And Matt Bush was traded for trying to remember who they acquired from Milwaukee. Uh, Some hard-throwing relief pitcher who has uh, trouble, who strikes out a lot and walks a lot. Yeah, it was... Who cares, uh, infielder who's 28 years old? Yeah, Mark Mathias is the infielder that they traded for. And who's the top pitching prospect? I'm trying to see who it is. I think he was number 16 in their organization. Okay, then you for see, me, I can remember everything but his name. Okay, his last name's Kelly. I see. Okay. Yeah, so you take that dude and, gosh, this is weird. I'm reading an article that does not say this guy's first name. How is that uh, even possible? Journalism 101. Oh, here it is. Put here it first is. name and a last name. A left-handed pitcher named Antoine Kelly. It might be Antone Kelly. Kelly will be in the minor league system. Bush was 36 years old. I mean, whatever. Who cares? Awesome. You were cool. Cool story. See you later. And then <laughs> Kelly is 22. He was a selection for the All-Stars future game and is a former second-round pick by Milwaukee who has been in Class A this season. So... You know, anytime you get a chance to acquire an arm for a dude that wasn't a part of your future, I'm all about that. That's just good business, man. We'll see if it works out. If not, we haven't lost anything. And so it looks like that's going to be the only move. I mean, as we record this, if it, 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 uh, nothing's happening with Martin Perez and Matt Moore. So I don't know. Former Ranger Joey Gallo's on the move. Dude, I've been so busy today. I was like, where did he go? He has been traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange. And how about this? They actually Dodger dogs. No, they actually got a prospect. He is the number 16 prospect in the Dodgers system. 
a double-A pitcher named Clayton Beater. Well, hey, maybe uh, maybe Joey can go there in the West Coast where everything's a lot less fast-paced and, uh, and make it happen and do his thing. Yeah, man, but when I saw that, I couldn't believe, honestly, that the Dodgers were actually, or that the Yankees, rather, were actually able to get a prospect of any weight whatsoever for Joey Gallo. Well, I wonder what Joey Gallo is supposed to do. Is he a pinch hitter? Is he a defensive player? What do they expect? Is he a starter? I mean, what I guess you just throw him in and hope, hey, maybe you can come in and, and pinch hit, get some time for us or whatever. So, I don't know. I mean, again, and it depends on where you look because some of this I see that Beater's not even a top 30 prospect for the Dodgers. I read somewhere earlier that he was like a top 20 prospect, so who knows? I mean, different people have different rankings, but true, the fact true, that true. they got a player – who is actually viable and can throw some pitches in minor leagues. <laughs> and then I wonder, and I haven't seen this. I don't know if the Dodgers, you know, if the Yankees agree to take on any part of the contract or however that's working out. I have no idea. But that's it, man. Yeah, I, I mean, know. there it is. Maybe Joey Gallo, who's buddies with Cody Bellinger, can find a way to start mashing again and, and get his head right. Because, man, did you see some of those quotes that were coming out about how he was talking about how it weighed on him hearing the boos and the Yankee fans and how he would get texts every time that they would play somebody that would be like, Hey man, you know, hang in there that, that players on other teams were noticing like how hard they were being on him and stuff. And like, it's going to be okay. I mean, that's, you hate to see that for anybody, but it's what it is. New York is not for everyone. No, it's not. And you got to come with that BDE if you're going to be up there. That's reality, man. I mean, the re- the fact is, New York, Joey Gallo was not the first time that somebody has been chewed up and spit out by New York. Not even just the Yankees, but you see it with the Yankees. You see it with a variety of other players that will go to New York thinking, hey, man, it's the Big Apple, getting paid big money. And the pressure is so great and the fans turn so quickly that they can't handle that atmosphere. Although it does feel like to me, Yankees fans are very forgiving for their own, like homegrown guys. Well, yeah. As opposed uh, to the guys they bring in like in trades or free agency. um, Maybe it's just me, but it seems that way over the years. Well, you know, that's because Yankee guys show up with such expectations that you know when you show up you're supposed to you know become a megastar even if you weren't and and help lead us to the promised land yeah so there you have it and what a wild day i mean there were so many trades like an insane amount of trades that were made that we'll have to wait and and get caught up on just how many there were because i mean there were dudes all over baseball that got moved around and went from here that went to there all kinds of prospects and the fact that I don't know what it means that the Rangers really haven't done anything of note. Right. Maybe they just didn't get what they were hoping to get for like a Matt Moore or a Martin Perez. And so they just decided to hang on to him for whatever reason. But it's how it goes. That's, that's what it is. The other thing, and I'll just throw this out real quick before we wrap this one up. But Jerry Jones has weighed in on the James Washington Here's his quote on asked after James Washington's foot fracture, is there an urgency level to acquire any help externally? He says, not at all. 
Let's get these guys the incentive, these young receivers. There's no urgency looking for a veteran wide receiver. So Just because he it. says so, don't make it so. Right, and, and you're exactly right. But man, they again, all we have heard, we heard this the, the day they got to Oxnard. We heard it from all three of them up there at the podium. And now we're hearing it again from Jerry Jones. All we have seemingly heard about the Cowboys is how high they are on these young guys. I mean, they really do seem to be banking on the fact that these young players are going to be able to offer something and offer something in the very immediate future. And that, my friend, is why I said they get all the credit or all the criticism because they've told us what they think. They think these young guys are playmakers, so let's see if they are. So the real question, do you eat like every hour? What are you talking about, Matt? Like whatever you're eating right now. You were eating when we started I'm not the eating podcast. anything. What are you doing? I'm not then? eating anything. You're chewing on something. No, I'm not. What is hold up, that? Hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm not chewing on anything. Hold up, hold up. Uh, <laughs> now you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not chewing anything. Not anything. I'm going to send you a picture to prove it. Okay. Well, you were, were you drinking something or something? I mean, you were yeah, making... I was drinking something. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Well, we all drink something. I'm sorry I was drinking loudly. No, it's okay. I just wondered what was happening. I could hear you no, swallowing, and I was like, my God, is he eating again? <laughs> I was like, I mean, that's just flat out impressive. <laughs> I used to be a fat guy. Not that impressive. No, I mean, you got to keep it up. I mean, we burn a lot of calories. You got to give yourself energy. You don't, you know, make yourself. Bro, get- did I send you how many steps I ended up with the other day? Yeah, it was like 23,000, I think. I think it was 25 by the time the night ended. God, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's an all-timer. And there it is. He wasn't kidding, folks. <laughs> Despite the evidence of mashed up stuff on his tongue and in his teeth. <laughs> There currently is nothing in Jacques, in Jacques' mouth. Okay, fine. Fuck you, Matt. What were Here's you drinking? What peanut butter? I mean, my God. <laughs> I was shuffling this last bit of food in my mouth. Ah, the real truth I emerges. I, I thought I had the mute thing hit, and I came back and realized I had actually unhit it. I could, you know, this, this, this kind of thing only happened to me, bro. <laughs> it really is, man. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I should be amazed at the number of chuckles I provide Matt on a weekly basis. No, you really do. And then everybody else hears and they go, yeah, you can hear them. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> Ooh, boy, that was a good one. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I did. All right, everybody enjoy this one. We have another uh, podcast on the way on Friday. It'll be Cowboys centric. We got to talk Zeke. We got to talk the Ring of Honor conversation and the fiasco with Jerry and Jimmy and that whole thing. And we'll have some fun stories for you too coming up. But enjoy the next couple of days and we will talk to you again on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. Matt McLaren. 
We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.